When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nelly Galan. Let's get started. Jason Pfeiffer, you're the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. That's got to be like one of the sexiest jobs in the world, especially today. <laughs> so I have to, I, I'm going to go deep on that. And you're also the co-host of the podcast, Help Wanted. I am so happy to talk to you because... First of all, I'm such a fan of yours. You're such a great writer. Oh, thank you. And you're you're a great interviewer. So it's tough for an interviewer to be interviewed. But I want to interview you because <laughs> I want everybody to know how you, you know, you were doing things all over the place and then you landed what you were supposed to do. And so I think it makes people feel good to know that you didn't always know. Oh, did I not always know? I had no idea. So I'm happy to talk about it. And I'm such a fan of yours. And it's an honor to be here. So let's... Let's help people figure out where they want to go. That's right. I'm just going to tell you, I have, I've been doing a thing that I advise everyone to do, which is just go find random music. I've been like in a music rut. And so now I'm just listening to random things. And I found this band called High Low Jack, which I actually don't think are very good. So I'm not here to recommend them. But there was a lyric that is very relevant to what you just said that I jotted down for myself because I really liked it. Oh, I want to hear. If you don't know what to do, then just keep going till you do. And I thought that's that was so, so great because that's basically what I've done. Yeah. Well, tell us because I know you had, I, I love reading all your stuff because you had like plan A, plan B, and I, I don't know, plan D. Yeah. And so many young people are feeling like they don't even know what's going on in the world, in the country, nothing. And how? what the hell are they going to figure out what to do? Yeah. Okay. So let me start. Uh, I'll back up, but I'm going to start with something that I heard recently that isn't high low jack because i've already quoted them to you which is malcolm gladwell so i was interviewing mm -hmm. malcolm gladwell a number of years ago and i asked him and people probably know who that is best-selling author podcaster yes and i asked him what is a malcolm gladwell project to you because everything that he does is distinctive mm -hmm. and i was so curious as someone in the same space how he figures out what to say yes to mm -hmm. even if it's on a granular idea level or if it's on a larger project level and his answer really surprised me. He said that to the best of his ability, he tries not to ever have a crisp idea of what a Malcolm Gladwell project is or even what he is because, and these are the words he said to me, I wrote them down and I slapped them on a wall immediately. He said, because self-conceptions are powerfully limiting. Self-conceptions are powerfully limiting, which is to say that if you have too narrow an idea of who and what you are and what you do, then you will turn down all of these amazing opportunities along the way. And those could be the things that actually transform you. And I loved when he said that because it put to words something that I had just naturally been doing for myself without really any wisdom behind it, but rather just because it felt like I couldn't possibly control 
exactly what is going to happen in my career, so why bother? And instead, why don't I focus on the things that I can control? The things that I can control is what am I learning at any moment in time? And how can I put myself in a position of learning more? Or identifying where I think I'd like to go and then figuring out what steps it takes to get there. Mm. I almost think about it as you should have a plan, but you should also have a plan to abandon the plan. Mm -hmm. Because if you're lost in the woods, walking in a circle is not very helpful, right? Like you need a direction. You need to pick a direction and walk in that direction. But that may not be the right direction. That's right. So you just need to, a place to go to create some kind of progress. And then you will gather information along the way. And as you do that, you might start to adjust the path. You might say, ah, mm -hmm. it's actually better this way now. That's what I did. I mean, in incredibly short, I was a community newspaper reporter who transformed myself into a magazine editor and was always focused on what was available to me, but that nobody was asking me to do different freelance work, different projects. I got into teaching. I got into viral website making. I got into podcasting. I got into speaking. And all of that has been me trying to explore what is the greatest opportunity for me that whatever I'm doing right now is opening up, but that will only happen if I push myself to make it happen. Because if you're just at a job and you just do good at that job, that's it. You will only be qualified to do that. That's right. I wanted to do more and I wanted to figure out what it was. But even this great job that you have at Entrepreneur Magazine didn't come easily to you. Like nothing has really, no. you've had to really fight for it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, where did I start? I mean, I appreciate you saying that what I have now is a very sexy job. You know, it doesn't always feel that way. This is the thing about cool jobs, right? You've had many of them. I have. And yeah, they haven't always been so cool. No. Yeah. It looks so cool from the outside. From, from the inside, it's just like, oh, today I'm at my computer. Oh, tomorrow I'm at my computer. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, but I'll tell you where it started. It started Gardner, Massachusetts. I graduated college 2002. I got a job, tiny little newspaper, making $20,000 a year mm. and hating it, absolutely hating it. And the reason I quit was because I was too afraid to leave a job that I hated myself. I think we all do that way too much. It's crazy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Things break in our house and we throw them away. Things break in our life and we just keep them. And so you will stay at these jobs that like just don't work for us. We'll stay in relationships that just don't work mm -hmm. for us. And so I was at this job. I didn't love it. And it was a letter from my boss calling me a detriment and drag on the newsroom because my attitude was so negative and I wasn't doing the work that finally forced me to quit. And it's true. He was right. I sucked. I sucked because I wasn't happy. And... I needed to find things that did make me happy. And getting to where I am now required qu quitting multiple jobs, uh, working for pennies for a long time, freelancing, just trying to get people to notice me, um, reinventing myself over and over again. I'm a uh, local news person. I'm a I'm a health person. I'm a, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I just kept going through versions of what I could be. But you knew you, you knew you could write, right? Like you knew I can write. So what I knew was that I can communicate and actually, you know what? I'm going to take it back. I knew I could write the way you said it was correct. The way you said it was correct. I knew I could write the idea that I could communicate came later. And those mm -hmm. are, that's an important distinction Yeah, because we too narrowly define ourselves. I thought of myself as a writer. That limits my options. 
if I think about what's next, I'm only looking at jobs that are writer jobs. But mm. if I think of myself as a communicator, mm. oh, well, if I'm a communicator, now I belong on this podcast talking to you. If I'm a communicator, I belong on stage getting money to be paid as a speaker. Having that kind of shift where you recognize that the skill that you have is actually just an expression of a deeper skill is an incredibly important thing to recognize. So, yeah, I mean, look, what did I do? What What is my career? My career is bouncing around different places, quitting a lot of jobs, deciding that I've learned everything that I need at Men's Health or everything that I need at Boston Magazine. And although I'm having a good experience here, it's time to go because I always knew that if I just stayed where I was, I would only learn the things that are available to me at that job. And mm-hmm. that isn't everything. And I also, I was in total fear throughout my career. I still am. This is one of the scariest things that I can think of is blinking and it's 15 years later because that happens so Mm -hmm. easily to people that you go, you find a place that's comfortable and then you blink and you've been there for 15 years. And Mm -hmm. I, I just, that was an idea that got into my head early that I don't want that to happen to me. And I want to make sure that I'm like maximizing every moment. And so I just kept hitting reset. I just kept pushing myself. I just kept saying, okay, I've been here for two years. I've learned everything I need to. It's time to go learn something else. What else don't I know? What else can I push myself to do? And doing that allowed me to collect enough skills so that when a major opportunity like Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine opened up, I turned out to be the right guy for it because I knew how to do all the things that they were looking for, even though I wasn't planning for that specific job. Mm -hmm. So the reason I think your job is so sexy is because of what you just said, that what we, all of us that are in these spaces, we, what people don't realize is we love to teach, but we love to learn even more than we love to teach. Mm -hmm. And you get to call all the people that we think are just the coolest people on the planet and find out and hear their stories about how they have what they've figured out in life and then we can kind of put those ideas together and we can we can do a lot to figure out ourselves so i have to ask you who are the most interesting people that this job has afforded you to speak to and what are the greatest things you've learned from them so the answer to that question goes in two totally different directions because One way of answering it is interesting people are like people whose names are going to be interesting to other people, which is to say that I could tell you what I learned from The Rock or from Ryan Reynolds or from Michelle Pfeiffer. There are incredible people who I get to interview and spend time with, Jimmy Fallon. And I'm I I will share those stories because I love them and they've all told me something really interesting. But I'll be honest with you, oftentimes the most interesting stories come from people that you've just never heard of. Of course. They come from from Lena, from Lena in Baltimore, who has a company called Lena's Wigs. And Lena's Wigs was a, is a wig shop, which is to say, you know, you walk in off the street, you can buy a wig. And during the pandemic, she had to radically change the way that she did business because she was running a storefront where people could walk in. And now there are lockdowns and people can't walk in off the street and shop and she does not know what to do. And 
the only thing that she can think to do is to make it an appointment-only business. You make an appointment, you can shop for a wig, nobody else can come in. Mm. And Lena is terrified of this. This is not some brand new idea. She didn't invent the idea of appointment only. She knew of it as a concept. She always did. But she always thought it was bad for her business because why would you add friction to your business? Why would you make it harder for your customers to shop with you? And yet she had no choice, and so she did it. She went appointment only. And when she did, she discovered two things that were shocking. Number one, consumer happiness went up. Her customers were happier. Number two, mm. sales and profits rose. Why? Wow. I know, right? I'll tell you why. Because, Nelly, do you know who does not buy wigs? People who walk in off the street. She was running a storefront, and she was structuring her business around people who walk in off the street. They don't buy wigs. They browse wigs. Mm. Lena had hired a person to greet these people to come in off the street who were not her customer. You know who her customer is? People, women, who are shopping generally for a very personal reason, health or religious. They would love nothing more than to come in to and, have a, and have a private experience without a bunch of randos who are walking in off the street. So Lena had structured her business because she thought she needed to operate as a storefront. She had structured her business to preference the people who were not her customer at the expense of people who were. Mm, and it wasn't oh, wow. until she was forced to rethink this and say, I don't need to be paying somebody to greet people who come in off the street and don't buy wigs. Instead, what I can do is I can lean into serving in the way that my real customer wants to be served. And then she started to realize that, wait a second, people also are really interested in virtual fittings. They're really interested in buying wigs online. It absolutely transformed her business because she was forced to reconsider what was once impossible. She reconsidered the impossible. She said there's a different way to operate this business. And in doing so, she found a better way to do it for the people who really mattered. I hear stories like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love about it is that unlike a Ryan Reynolds or a Dwayne The Rock Johnson or a... Michelle Pfeiffer, who are wonderful, brilliant, incredibly successful people, but also people with a lot of means and a lot of resources. People like Lena, they just got to figure it out themselves. Mm. They only have them. And hearing how these people with their backs against the wall, with very little room for error, make it work, that is really inspiring. I love that. I, I love, and, and I agree with you because... I all I deal with is small business owners and I love hearing their stories and I love their scrappiness and I love you know it's the journey of an entrepreneur is quite special it's not for everybody no nope. not everybody should be an entrepreneur that's right but it's a certain type of person and they're very interesting people yeah they are they're really interesting people and a lot of people don't know that they have it in them until they're pushed <laughs> mm -hmm. People get into this stuff not really knowing what the journey is like. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this a million times. Maybe you even feel this yourself. I don't know. Do you feel this yourself? Which is that if somebody said to you at the very beginning of the journey, here's exactly how hard it's going to be, <laughs> that you might have said, oh, I don't know about that. So that there's there's something good about not knowing no, how crazy is, the journey I mean, is going to be. For sure. You, you really need to not know because, you know, and then when you do know, it's too late. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly right. <laughs> because you're already down the road and you got to complete and, and entrepreneurs are completers. 
But one thing with all the these other people that are celebrities and this and that, sure. I'm I'm curious. Yeah, I'll tell you. Because I because I find I find it interesting that so many celebrities be, go into entrepreneurship, and I think a lot of people out in the world don't realize that sometimes these sexy celebrity jobs don't really pay you all that you think that they get paid, and that they have to take their moment in the sun and create something. Mm-hmm. And and I want to hear what you know, how they frame it to you. Do you feel like they're real entrepreneurs or they're people that have kind of gone into the brand business because they realize that the celebrity thing doesn't cut it for the rest of your life? So I think it's different per person. Some of the people who I meet, who we put on the cover of Entrepreneur, would not claim the word entrepreneur for themselves. They'll tell Mm -hmm. me, I don't really, I'm not an entrepreneur. And that's fine because I understand that the average reader, the average listener of a podcast, they're not going to be Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) They're not going to have a late night talk show. And so they may not immediately see how learning about what this person has done in their business is going to be relevant to them. So actually, the way that I always approach this stuff is I walk in thinking this person has figured something out for themselves some element of the way that they think about work or the way they approach work or the way that they understand themselves. And that is the thing that's going to be transferable and that I want a reader to be able to learn from. So for, for Jimmy, it was really about how to understand your value to others. And, right, like I, I walked Jimmy through an exercise. He had never actually stepped back and thought to himself, like, what is my purpose? What is my why? What is the filter through which I put all my ideas to decide whether or not they are right for me. And he came up with this question, which is, he came up with me, it came up with it in front of me. And it was so cool to watch him get there, which was, um, he said that the driving question that he has for his work is, does it make people happy? And like, <laughs> he if, sounds if, like Coke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Coke is Coke's made a lot of money off of owning happy. Uh, unless you're talking about cocaine, which I guess is a different uh, demographic, but uh, people who think that that makes them happy. But um, yeah, like Jimmy, Jimmy is thinking, does this idea make people happy? Does this project make people happy? Which is a really wonderful way to mm-hmm. think about your work. And once you have something like that, it helps orient you. Um Michelle Pfeiffer was another one. You know, the funny thing about Michelle Pfeiffer is that she didn't actually want to be an entrepreneur. What she wanted was just something to exist in the world, and she just wanted somebody else to make it, which is a, actually a, a way that a lot of entrepreneurs start. They look around, they're like, I wish that this thing would exist. And in her case, it was that she wanted to find a fragrance. She really loves perfume. She wanted to find a fragrance that was totally transparent about what ingredients they were using, which is not something the industry does, and that all of those ingredients pass all sorts of environmental and safety uh, you know, standards. And she just called around to every perfume house, who of course are going to take their call. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's on the phone? Yeah, I'll answer that. And yet when she asked them to do this, to make something like this, everyone said no. Because it was just so outside the way that the industry operates. And so after years of this, Michelle was like, ugh, I guess I have to make this myself, which she really didn't want to do. But I'll tell you the thing that I I just think is so funny when I think about our conversations, as I've talked to her multiple times, is um, she told me that 
before becoming an entrepreneur, she started this company called Henry Rose. It's a it's a fragrance company, and it does exactly what I just described. It's transparent about its ingredients. They all fulfill these regulation requirements. She said that before launching a business, to her, the launch of something is the end of something. So you go and you make a movie, and you're mm-hmm. on set. And it has this defined period of time and maybe it's hard and exhausting, but then it's done. And then you have to work in post and you do some press, but like it launches and then it's done. Whereas it took her a long time to adapt to the reality that when you launch a business, that's the start and it's never done. It's never done. <laughs> that's not that's not good for everybody. Let's no, just say. It's not. <laughs> that, and, by uh, the way, that is one of the beauties of the entertainment industry. And I agree. I, I get what she's saying because it's something that I've had issues with too. It's project orientation. Yes. Be with a beginning, middle, and end. And if something's really bad, you don't care because it's going to be over. Right. And the only time that doesn't work is in TV. Like sometimes you make a TV show and you and the star is a nightmare and you're stuck with them. Mm-hmm. So it's tough because you're right. It is project orientation. Yeah. It's not building a brand over many, many years, which is a different, it's kind of a long distance run. It's a mm-hmm. different animal. It is. Than a sprinter. And, and you've got to figure out how to keep that pace of running while also evolving and changing things. It's mm-hmm. a very hard thing to do. And I loved hearing her articulate that because if Michelle Pfeiffer is having trouble with it, then it's fine for everyone else to have trouble with it too. And I think there's some value in there. And then sometimes people just drop really wonderful words of wisdom when I'm talking to them. So Ryan Reynolds, for example, he told me that because he, you know, he went from being an actor to being um, a very savvy business person in all sorts of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's a, a whole lot of businesses. I'm sure people are familiar. And he told me that that transition was not easy at all. But what he learned was to be good at something, you have to be willing to be bad. Mm. And that's great. It's great, isn't it? To be good at something, Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to be bad. The point being that we often think when we try something new, that the difference maker is going to be whether or not we're good at it at the beginning. And if we're not, then we're going to get frustrated. We're going to say, oh, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe this isn't the right decision. But Ryan is saying, no, everyone's bad at it at the beginning. And therefore, the difference maker isn't whether or not you're good at the beginning. The difference maker is whether or not you are willing to tolerate being bad long enough to get to good. And that's Mm -hmm. a different way of thinking. That's a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. Ira Glass, who's the creator and host of This American Life, very famous radio program. He has this great way of talking about learning to do something new. He said that at the very beginning of doing something, he says, there is a large gap between your tastes and your abilities, which is to say that you have good taste. You know what good sounds like. If you're going to go learn the guitar, for example, you know what good guitar sounds like. You have good taste. You're listening to whoever it is that you're listening to from Jimi Hendrix to Django Reinhardt. You're listening to somebody and you know what it is, but you cannot produce that yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your abilities do not match your tastes. And you have to be comfortable with that fact that there is going to be that gap and that it's a natural thing and that you have to tolerate living in that space long enough such that you can try to get your abilities up to the level of your tastes. And that's a really nice way of thinking about it. That's a great way to say it. And I think that's also a big issue because I think a lot of people freeze over that Mm -hmm. because I think we all want to be like 
we, we say to ourselves, what am I great at? Yeah. And if you're not that, it's a kind of grandiosity. And the truth is that, and that's where entrepreneurship really grounds you because entrepreneurship is building blocks every day, little, little steps every day that take you on a journey. Mm-hmm. And that's very different than thinking you're going to get there from here to there because you're naturally, listen, we do watch some people in the zeitgeist that are naturally, like Mariah Carey came out of the womb singing like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, there are people that do have natural abilities right. that are goaded from day yes. one, right? Yes. But then you take a Tom Brady who started out being nothing mm-hmm. and wasn't very good and worked at it and worked at it and worked at it and worked at it and now he's great. Right. So there are both extremes. And I yes. think entrepreneurship is more egalitarian because you you it's almost like the the hero's journey you have ups and you have downs and you have you know it kind of grounds you yeah yeah and look you're right there are the people who are just naturally amazing but here's the thing that you have to remember you've heard of all of them <laughs> there aren't right. that many of them out there no such that you've heard of all of them and so don't expect that you are one of them it's okay not to be because there are like 10 of them in the whole world that's right and Everybody else has to work for it. Including, and by the way, they're not good at other things. You that's should, right. Oh, should, they're certainly not. We should tell everybody, when you're that good at something, there's a lot of stuff that's falling through the cracks in the yeah. other parts of your life. That's right. And you also don't see all the things that they suck at, and you don't see the ways in which they also maybe did suck at the thing that they are known for being great at. I remember talking to Maria Sharapova, you know, tennis legend, mm-hmm. about this because she retired and she got into business. She's now an investor and an advisor in a lot of companies, particularly in the in the sports world. And she was telling me that when she made that transition, a lot of her friends said to her some version of like, oh, you're going to be so great at this. You're such a natural at these kinds of things. And it annoyed her when people said that because to her, she is not a natural at anything. Like people think that she's people know her as a tennis champion, but what they didn't see was all the times that she lost and all the struggle when she was young and learning the game. Like to her, that journey is a journey of constant work and struggle and a lot of failure and some success. And that's what she expects in business too, hopefully, right? Like that's the best case scenario is that she goes into this new world and she has a lot of struggle and some failure and some success, but she doesn't even know if that's guaranteed. So she really doesn't like when people look at her and think that she's just naturally good at things Mm -hmm. because she's frustrated that they're not seeing all the failure. So remember Mm -hmm. that when you're seeing somebody who is in a successful position, you're not seeing all the stuff that made them. But a lot of that stuff was ugly and hard and you will go through it too. Hold on. Moneymaker will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's get back to the show. Okay, now I want to switch gears a little bit because I know that you happen to be very good at something that I'm not as good at as you. Okay. So I want to I want to really uh, talk to you about it, which is build your professional network. Mm. I have like a little secret, you know, when you talk about your blind spots. I know so many people in so many different areas. I mean, I remember being on Celebrity Apprentice, and Gene Simmons goes, "You've got so many worlds because you're in media, and you you're a psychologist, and you're Latina, and you're, so you have all these." But I see people out of context, and I don't remember them. <laughs> yeah, and I can't put the name. Like I have a gap where my brain doesn't work right and it takes me a minute. And in that minute or two that I can't figure out who it is, I have a panic attack. Mm. So I know you're great at the whole building professional networks. And I think for an entrepreneur, there's nothing more important than that. So I want to know what are your secrets and what are your, how have you figured all this out? Hmm. I appreciate that. So first of all, know that I do not have a superpower here. I also... (laughs) struggle out of context to recognize people. Oh, I forget I forget people's names all the time. I'm really bad at it. Like I what I've actually mastered is not giving away how much I don't know who you are when I <laughs> run into you. Like that's <laughs> Like I've just become kind of good it's at like that. You had some, like maybe you, somebody says sometimes you have to associate a name like Betty something and put yeah. a name to, so you remember, but right. I don't know. There are all these memory tricks. I, I have not bothered with any of them. I just figure I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out or I will just blame it on being context free. Oh, I, I, it was just out of context, but it's so great to see. Right. So, but here, look, here's, here's the very first thing is that it's just worth being really nice to people. To everybody. That's right. I just am, or I try to be. And in the moments in which I am, I catch myself not being nice to someone, I really think about it and take it as a lesson to program myself to do otherwise. Actually, this reminds me a little bit. I'll go back to talking about answering your question more specifically in a second, but just to do another like famous person who told me a thing, mm-hmm. which was I was talking to. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and his business partner, Danny Garcia, who's amazing. Dying to meet Danny because she's Cuban. Oh, yeah. She's the best. You guys would have so much fun together. Oh, you have to introduce me now that I'm in Miami. Oh, I will. She is his She's his business partner for a long time, and they, in the early days- They were married, no? They were. They were They were married. They have a fascinating relationship, which you know I don't profess to know very well, but yes, they were married. Now they are- they both have other partners. They were divorced, but they maintained a great business relationship, and um, and they they have an incredibly thriving, fascinating relationship. So, in the early days of The Rock trying to transition from wrestling into acting, they were out at dinner one night, and he'd had a bad day. I don't know what had happened. He had had a bad day. He was in a bad mood, and this couple comes up to their table. And asks for an autograph. (laughs) And The Rock, just without thinking, just the instinctual reaction is to sign their whatever, 
but to make kind of a show about how he doesn't want to do this, right? He's like, oh, you know, like a big like sigh. And and as he does this, the couple starts apologizing. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. We don't mean to interrupt. You're having dinner. You, you don't have to do it. You don't. And he, you know, he like gives it to them. And they walk away. And then in their telling, Dwayne and, and Danny, they spend the rest of that dinner dissecting that moment. And they start to think about that moment from the perspective of the couple who had come over and how they probably were sitting down and having dinner and maybe it's a date night out and the kids are at home and and then they look across and they see Dwayne and they're like, is that The Rock? I think that's The Rock. <laughs> I, I, should, should we say something? No, we can't say, we can't interrupt. Oh, I know, but, but we're never going to see him again. We have to, right? And they like, they work themselves up to the point where they get over their nerves and they come over and they ask for something. And the response is this obnoxious, Ugh. and Dwayne in that moment realized, and his words to me were, I am such a lucky son of a bitch that someone would want to come over and ask for my autograph. And he learned from that, that every moment that he is out in the world is a moment to make someone feel good or not. It's up to him. It's, it's within his power. And that he wants to build a career in which he is making people feel good. And so he's going to maximize every moment. And I will tell you, I don't know him well, but the interactions that I've had with him and everything that I've ever heard about him play that out. I mean, I sent that guy a copy of my book because I mentioned him and Danny in one single paragraph. And then one day I open up Instagram one morning and I have a voice memo from him just being like, hey, Jason, I, you know, I, I just I got to my office and I got your book. I just wanted to say congratulations. It looks so great. And he just like went on and on. It was so nice. He didn't need to do that, but he did. And I try to, and I've had those moments like him. I mean, people aren't coming up and asking for my autograph at dinner, but like I've had those moments where somebody wanted something from me and I just, I didn't have it in me in that moment to be generous. And afterwards I realized what a missed opportunity that was because it wouldn't have taken much for me to be generous. And it would have made a big difference in the way that somebody perceives me. And so I think about that a lot. I am nice. I am accessible. Mm -hmm. I am responsive. And I will tell you that goes such a long way. That goes further than anything else. If you are nice to people, then they will forgive you when you do not remember their name when you run into them on the street, mm -hmm. right? They just will. And then the next thing is stay in touch in times where you don't need them. And so, I mean, I'll give you, just give you an example from today. This is the smallest thing. It's not a special thing or anything, but I'll just read it to you, which is that I love this podcast called The Pitch. It's a, it's like a, it's like a Shark Tank-like show. And I've been listening to it for years. The host is a guy named Josh Muccio. And I, uh, they recently launched a investment fund. They're going to invest in some of the show, some of the companies that come on the show. And I thought, well, this is so fun. I'm going to invest in this. And so I, you know, I put a little money into it. And then Josh reached out to me and he was like, wow, so cool that the editor in chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, 
you know, like, let's let's stay in touch. And great. So now I have Josh's cell phone number. Right. And Josh and I aren't you know, we don't hang out every day. He's just a guy who has a podcast that I like. So, Nelly, you and I are talking on May 17th. And May 17th is the day that the last episode of the current season of The Pitch ran. And so I downloaded it and I listened to it this morning. And they said it's the last episode. And I listened to it. It was good. And so I was just walking back from lunch. And as soon as it finished, I pulled out my phone and I just texted Josh. And I just said, congrats on a great season. Enjoyed it all. And he said, thanks so much, Jason. I've been enjoying your LinkedIn games. I guess he follows me on LinkedIn. But like that matters. That's a little thing, but it's just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you and congratulations on the thing you're doing, right? Like, I'm not here to ask for something. You're on my mind. You're doing a good job. And that kind of stuff, just building those relationships, that's where you have a network that will be with you because they feel that you are invested in them. Yeah, that's beautiful. And how do you keep track, though, of all the people that you know and all the people that, I mean, how do you do that? So I have a... (laughs) I have a spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) You do. I do. You really do. Yeah, I actually have a spreadsheet. It's called Good Contacts. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Josh is in it. Yeah, I have a spreadsheet. It's called Good Contacts. And um, it's not very well organized. I should I should figure it out. But here, I'll pull it up and I'll just like tell you what it looks like. So um, it's in a Google sheet. Right. So it's just it's in the cloud. And um, whenever I interact with somebody who I think I should stay in touch with, I put them in here. So they're in different tabs. And like I said, these this is like requires better organization, but I'll just give you the tabs. The tabs are founders slash CEOs, entrepreneurship space, which is very broad to the point of meaningless, media. I had a thing called people to send book alert to. That was when I was leading up to my book launch. So these are just like anybody who might express any interest in my work or my book. I was like, put that mm-hmm. in there. Big company, PR people, personalities. It's just sort of like anyone who rises to the level, like, you know, like, uh, Nelly, I don't actually don't have your. I have your cell phone number because we've been texting, but I don't have your email address. But you would you would probably end up in personalities uh, <laughs> the way that I, uh, the way that I do things. Um, and uh, uh, finance, speaking, policy because I meet a whole lot of policy people. Uh, and then there's like a couple other things. And um, and so I just put these in there, and then from time to time I scroll through it, and I just think, who have I not been in touch with in a while? The end of the year is a great time for this. I'll send out a lot of emails at the end of the year just being like, hey, it was great XYZ thing with you this year and just wanted to say Happy New Year and look forward to more next year, right? Just like super simple, super basic. And do you text or do you email? It depends on the relationship that I have with the person. Mm. Yeah. Um, You know, a lot of people, it's funny. Some people seem to be email people. Some people seem to be text people. I will default to email if I'm not sure what kind of person they are. But if they have texted me, then I'll probably text back because I just assume that they're like cool with texts. God. But I'll tell you, I send these messages and people are always grateful for them. Like they're, they, they respond always. And they don't respond long. It doesn't start a whole long thing. It's just nice to hear from someone and to say, oh, you're thinking of me. That's awesome. Wow. That's amazing. You are just an amazing guy, dude. What can I tell you? Oh, thanks. And you said that a lot of times in your life, you head in one direction and and it goes in the other, right? Like this circuitous road. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is going to be your next circuitous road? Do you have any idea? Huh. Well, so I'm always interested in what opportunities are created because I am doing 
a thing now. But you're in a specific space right now. Yes. Which you could be doing the exact same thing in a different space. So I guess my question to you is, are you into the space of entrepreneurship or are you open to other areas of interest for you and doing your communication around something else? Or is it, do you, are you passionate about the entrepreneurship or financial space? Ah, okay. So I... Let me tell you the way that I have thought about it for myself, and then I'll try to extract some lesson for other people. Um, the way that I thought about it for myself is, well, let me back up to when I first became editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. I did not feel prepared for a part of the job that I didn't realize was necessary. The part that I felt prepared for was to do the work, to do the work of being the editor-in-chief, which is to say, remake the magazine rebuild the team, create a great product, communicate things that are going to be of value. What I didn't anticipate was that a year or so into that work, once my name was out there enough, people stopped treating me like a editor or a journalist, which is what my career had been thus far. And they started treating me like an authority. And I did not know what to do with that. Authority on what? Authority on making magazines? You know, like I, I was not ready for that. And mm -hmm. I felt a lot of imposter syndrome around that. And yet it was also exciting because I realized I have a position of notability in a community, in a defined community mm -hmm. in which people recognize by my very title that I have some kind of value, but they think I have more value at this point than I do. But what would happen if similar to the gap between your tastes and abilities, what would happen if I figured out how to rise to the expectations of others? What would that be? And the thing that made me so nervous was that the people that I'm spending all this time with, people like you, have a body of knowledge about business that at the time I did not, didn't know how to do a lot of these things. And I thought, well, what possibly do I have to offer these people who see me as an authority when I don't know what on earth I'm supposed to tell them? And it took me a long time to figure out the answer to that. But the answer is a version of, the, it's the umbrella subject under which the conversation that we have just had lives, which is to say that what I found was that I don't need to be the person who tells you how to 10x your revenue or mm -hmm. how to price your product, like right from the smallest to the biggest, mm -hmm. because there are plenty of other people who know how to do that really well and they've mm -hmm. done it. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really good at is understanding how people think. That's how I had built my career. And I had applied that level of that skill and that pattern match to all sorts of other things that I have done. Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurs are really, I would say, half interested in the fundamentals of business and half interested in the very human pursuit of building something right. that you love. And so I'm going to just seed the ground that I don't know how to own to other people. And right, like I remember I, I saw, I, I once opened up for Marcus Limonis, uh, uh, NBC, mm -hmm. uh, CNBC's The Prophet. And that guy, he just does a business fundamentals. Like he will just, he'll just walk around the room and he'll just help people with the fundamentals of their business. And I remember watching this and thinking, that's amazing. That will never be me. I don't have that body of knowledge. I didn't do the things that Marcus did, but I know how to talk to somebody and absorb this 
thing that they thought and dig into it with them because I know how to ask questions and I know how to listen and I know how to take complex information and share it with others in memorable ways. And I'm going to apply that. So that led me to the things that I have built and the way in which I talk and the way that I framed the version of myself that I am when people expect me to be an authority, which is the way that I'm talking to you right now. Right. And where does that lead me next? I think that entrepreneurship is a really wonderful space. I love it. I love entrepreneurs. I love everything about this space. But I have found that also when I talk to entrepreneurs about the human stuff, it bleeds out into other spaces. And I hear from people who are not traditional entrepreneurs, people who are just strivers, people who are just trying to figure out what they want to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's the space where I will ultimately land Mm -hmm. is that I will probably help people find, and this is already what I do in so many ways, but it's not Mm -hmm. the the core thing that I do, but it's, it's what I'm shaping up to be doing in a more meaningful way through books and speaking and all this stuff is to help people make hard decisions and help people pursue things that they love and care about. And I'll probably often talk about it through the lens of business because it's a really clean way of understanding those concepts, but with the knowledge that it can be applied in lots of other ways. And how that takes shape, I have some theories. You know, I make money as a speaker. I make money as a writer. But what's the core of it? You know, that's the exciting next part. Mm -hmm. Well, what I hear you say, too, is that you found your voice. Right. And that you're very good at helping other people find their voice and their purpose. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that comes down to something I'd said earlier. You know, there's there's just an important distinction between like what it is that you do on a day to day basis and the underlying skill set of it. And if you can if you can separate those things out and you can you can get a good clarity on what it is that you what value you actually bring to others, you can really build on top of that. Being a writer, right? It was the different I was like, how did, when did we talk about this? It was the distinction between being a writer and being a communicator, right? right? Like at a time I was just a writer. Then I thought of myself as a communicator. Then I thought about myself as a communicator in business. Now I realize that I'm a communicator more broadly, but business is a great lens through which to use that. And if you can, for whatever version, like you're listening to this right now, like whatever version of skill you you most closely identify with, I would encourage you to think about what is the thing underneath of that. Because I thought it was writer, but it's not. It's communicator. And communicator is broader. Yeah. And it gives me so many more places to go. And also, I love what you said about your contacts, because I think also while you're finding your voice and on the trajectory that for most of us is, it could be, you can change many times what, you know, kind of honing what that voice is. You have to keep in touch with your contacts Mm -hmm. so that when you're not the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine and you're doing something else, they still know you and remember that you are someone that stayed in touch with them through that trajectory. Totally. Totally. Because the funny thing is, when you've got a big title, people will tolerate you. (laughs) (laughs) They will. They will tolerate you. Right. They'll say, well, I don't like this person, but I need to be in touch with them because they have something I need. But boy, the second that you leave that title, if they were just tolerating you, they don't have to tolerate you any longer. That's right. And you're not going to get any more Christmas presents. No, you are not. (laughs) But if they like you, genuinely like you, not because of the title, but just because you're a good person, 
then they are invested in what you're doing next. That's the difference. Jason, I have just loved getting to know you in this time. Oh, thank and I'm you. so glad to hear your story. And thank you for sharing all your, your wisdom and what you've learned from others and, and what I've learned from you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It is such a pleasure talking to you every time. Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nelly Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Thanks for listening. See you next time.